How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield, and welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to an artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of the Mizogart podcast. Last week's episode with MC Yamas went down extremely well. As I said in the outro to last week's episode, it will be interesting to see in what direction MC goes. And as I also said last week, she's going to be in my Face Value 3 exhibition, as well as writing a foreword for the catalogue. Now with this week's podcast, we're travelling away from a French-born artist to an Italian-born artist. In the name of Franco Black, or Franco B as he's more widely known. I travelled down to the Toynbee Studios in Allgate East, where Franco has had his studio for just over 20 years. If you've only ever seen photographs of Franco B, you would have seen a man heavily tattooed and a set of gold teeth. And by his appearance, if you thought that he was anything other than an extremely kind and gentle man, then you are sorely mistaken. The sort of person you would gladly be stuck in a lift with, if you know what I mean. And like MC, Franco has also agreed to be in my Face Value 3 exhibition. Franco is probably best known as a performance artist using his own blood as a medium, and more recently, using milk and a punch bag. But I'll not say any more on his work. 
Come and hear it from the man himself. Join me in the Toynbee Studios with the delightful Mr. Franco B. So this afternoon, I'm in the Toynbee Studios in Commercial Street yeah. with Franco B. Um, I've got a list of seven questions. They're very simple questions. And the first question is, how would you explain what you do to somebody who didn't know your work? Yeah. Well, it's difficult. I mean, the thing is, even somebody who knows my work finds it difficult to understand what I do because I do a lot of different things. I'm actually very eclectic. Yeah. I don't stand still. I have a lot of interest. I make ceramic. Sometimes I perform. I don't perform as much as I did 10 years ago. And certainly my work, my performance have changed, the nature have changed. The work that made me famous in famous 25 years ago is not the same. So I have a studio practice. I've been coming here for 20 years here. Oh, okay. The studio, no, yeah. No. Cool. Yeah. That's probably why you saw me in, yeah, in Liverpool. Because I catch a bus to go to Waterloo, yeah. where I live. Yeah. So I usually that's what I do. So yeah, I to explain the best thing is to say that I work with visual language and I talk about the personal, the political and the poetic. Yeah. You know, that's what I try to do. Yeah. I mean you're known as a performance artist. Yeah, I used but you to make be. a lot of visual yeah. work. So way I, I didn't know whether you was a performance artist who made visual work or a visual artist that done performance. I know they're tantamount to the same thing. Yes and no, but I'm certainly, I think you got the right, because I am a visual artist that, that also did performance. That's why I'm first, really. Yeah. I was, you know, I never was a performance artist. First, I went to art school. I did painting, ceramic before and then painting sculpture and I, when I was at school I did a bit of everything. I like to print, I like to make sculptures, I like and I start to perform for camera. And then later on by almost accident I start to perform in clubs and from that then I I started to perform in other venues yeah. around Europe mainly. Yeah. I mean I do I would prefer not to sort of talk to artists about the, the cliched thing attached with them but yeah. I've got it with you because <laughs> the first work I saw of yours was you with a cannula yeah. in both arms and it was I'm not your babe yeah, it was the I first think. one I saw of yours and you was just stood there yeah. painted white, white paint or, or yeah, makeup cannula in just slowly bleeding while standing on a white canvas, very yeah. ghost-like, with just a light stood on yeah. you. And after a while, you... See, I only saw it in photograph form because I was in prison at the time. So I just... I had... When I saw it, it was like maybe 30 different photographs. Yeah. So I don't know whether you got on your knees or whether you fell to your knees. No, eventually I got to my knees. I was away in control. I never wanted to lose my dignity or integrity of the image. I'm very interested. The image I have, I'm mean, gonna try to be very 
focus on thy image. You know, I'm driven by image. Image that I see that kind of inspires me and then to make things like yeah. this. Because it was the, the set of images that I saw, it was quite shocking at first glance because you see the red. Yeah. You presume it's blood. Yeah. But I presumed it, yeah, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was yeah. ink or paint. And then you find out that it is blood. Yeah. Which then sort of steps it up to a, a different level. Yeah. But then I say, I wish that when people said that about shocking, the shocking things, I always respond by saying life is shocker. But Ben, that's what <laughs> I was about to say, and that's, that's so true. But what I was about to say was by the time I got to the end, to the last photograph, and you were on your knees with a big pool of blood yeah. around you, and I'd read the text next to it, it was a beautiful piece of artwork. Even yeah. though I didn't understand what you was doing fully, yeah. it was a beautiful thing at the end, and it was shocking at the start. Yeah, well, uh, that's what, in a way, Americans, I always talk about beauty. I think the work has to... The image has to be beautiful. I mean, of course, people have different tastes and different understanding yeah. what beauty is, but I think uh, that's very personal. Sure, but my intention is that, but my main intention also is to make sure that I don't lose, I really don't lose control. Yeah, everything is really calculated. I have a doctor. I was about to I'm ask not if interested. you doctor Yeah, I do, of course. I did. And, uh, and, uh, and it's very important that the body or the image doesn't lose its dignity. You know, I never passed out. Yeah. There's no point, you yeah. know. It's did not, you know at which point to stop? Or, or did the doctor advise you as to what point to well, stop? Well, you kind of feel like when you go on your knees, you're not, you're, I, need, I needed to go on the knees. If I stood up, a bit more, I would probably fall over yeah. or start trembling. Yeah. My body would go in shock. So it's a way kind of, you have a kind of dialogue with yourself about being in control and being aware of what's going on. Mm. You're kind of in an inner dialogue with yourself while it's happening. Yeah. You're present, you're kind of dealing with what you're doing and also kind of dialoguing with the audience by looking at them engaging with them with 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 the with the squad you know with the with the looking mm. you know so it's not just like you look, you know you're doing this yeah, you know yeah. you're just kind of looking around and all like, the time when you're standing on a white canvas yeah that sort of when when the viewer's mind sometimes drifts away that it's an artwork yeah because you're on that canvas and you're making marks on that canvas, yeah. that's bringing the viewer back that this is art. It's not, yeah. you know, it, I'm not it's just producing. hurting myself, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. But that's the difference. And this is why I say, because sometimes people talk about self-harm, the difference between me, you know, as me, Franco B, and somebody that doing uh, anybody, you know, and people made this comment before, in fact, in The Guardian, once said, you know, The Guardian, uh, there was a review of one of my performances that said, when a girl, a teenage girl, does die in her room, you call the psychiatric, when Franco B does it, you call it art. The difference is I do it to a public. Yeah. I don't do it in my little room. I don't do it behind. It's not hidden. I'm, and it's not attention-seeking. I mean, it's getting view, attention, but it's not about that. Another view from the outsider yeah. would be 
are you possibly self-harming with art as an excuse to self-harm? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I probably self-harmed by drinking, yeah, or by taking drugs, other way of self-harming yeah. that are part of the kind of everyday, you know, kind of lifestyle. Mm. More than actually. I mean, you obviously have. knew that it was going to be a shock factor. You're not the first one to use your own blood. No, in the, uh, yeah, no, certainly not. And it, it, it was definitely going to cause a bit of a furore. I mean, I only contacted you yeah. because, I mean, we, we did speak just before this recording started. But when I saw it, I didn't understand it. Yeah. And then I thought, well, the only way I can understand it, contacted you, you sent me a book, and then understood. Yeah, but there's a difference between wounding and bloodletting. In terms of bloodletting... Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Nobody's ever done it yeah. before. Like no? That. No, bloodletting is different. And uh, no, very, uh, wounding is when somebody does, yeah. and there's, of course, there's genius panic. Yeah, I was well you aware know? you wasn't hurting yourself. No, but there's artists that cannot actually cut themselves. Yeah. And not, uh, no, but not necessarily as a, but as a, as a art language. I mean, Gina Pan is one, Marina Bramovic is another one, before, well before yeah. me, you know, the first kind of recognized generation of what's the kind of so-called body art, mm. which really started, and it's kind of the main manifestation, recognized manifestation, Cause I, I was in the late 60, early 70. But essentially, bloodletting, because a lot of artists like the actionist, you know, in Vienna, worked with blood, but a lot of time not even theirs, yeah. but with animal blood. And I, when I wanted to work with blood, I didn't want to work with animal blood because apart I was vegetarian, but also because it's nothing to do with the animal. I'm the animal yeah, I want yeah, to talk yeah. about and I want to talk about... Well, that's about. the thing, from the viewer, because we're not used to seeing blood, we're used, to see, we're used to seeing a representation of blood, be it red oil paint, for instance. Yes. So when I and saw... And also this before was before we could see... You know, blood on TV. Yeah. Now we see yeah, every day, all the time. and on we the become anonymous. I mean, we become so see, even anesthetized. Could, even though I could see the cannula in your arm, yeah. so I knew that makes it look medical rather than yeah. anything else. Because there's blood on the floor, your brain just says but it was calm. Very, yeah, but it's interesting because people always say the artist cut himself, and actually, had to correct it because that's why the cannula was there. Because and I wanted the cannula to see because it is technical, you know. It was I was used a technique. The technique it wasn't the work. The technique is how you get from A to B, yeah. and can somehow allow that to be what it is, so people can see and look. At. It's very very different. You know, yeah. it would be very easy. I mean, if you go to a sex club or some kind of torture garden you know, kind of performance you see people doing all the time. Yeah, yeah. And actually, they might tell you that they've been inspired by me, yeah. but they got it wrong, well, totally enough. wrong. Because I, the, you know, not because I want to be better or think I'm better than them, because actually they haven't done their own work. I'm a painter. Mm. I come from painting, and I, in a way, create images through using my body as a canvas, to talk about, I use as a metaphor. Is it why you painted yourself 
Why? Also to kind of cancel the tattoos, because yeah. otherwise people get distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Red Cross, of And course. there's connotations with the imagery on your body. Yes, so that's why I did that. I'm going to send you a name of a Spanish artist that's been working for years with his body, and he spends his life in psychiatric unit. It's an interesting, but it's a very interesting artist, and I think it's beyond... I mean, I think it's, I don't see himself, I look at his work as hardcore. I don't look at him as being a sick person. Yeah. It's just somebody that makes work in the way. And it's sort of in a special institution, you know? And uh, it's inter- I will send you because it kind of, it, because we're talking, it's when you cross the line, when it's self-harm, and when obviously, you know, we have this kind of, it's almost like moral, you know, that was yeah, self-harm. Yeah. It's almost like prejudice, you know, I self-harming. But actually, you know, I think um, there was a case, you know, I mean, this year one of my friends was telling me that she was suspecting her son was self-harming. And I looked at him and I said to her, don't worry about it, let it be. Don't make a big fuss. Mm. In fact, it's gone, you know. And it, what uh, transparency is that they were messing about with other friends that were messing about about getting attention, you know. Yeah. Somebody noticing that they existed, you know. Mm. You know, Which the fucking some, family, <laughs> you know. Exactly. You and, and, uh, it's a, so it's not self-harm. It's a way of communicating. Yeah. If you catch it, it's self-harm when it's hopeless. Yeah. But I think if it does something for you, then it doesn't, society, of course, will give a title, yeah. you know, yeah. and say, oh, you know, self-harming. But, you know, if you allow, I mean, in this, of course, there's severe cases, but it's interesting about uh, going back to The Guardian when Franco B does his art when a 14, 15 years old girl, I don't know, she said girl, you know, and because uh, also boys do self yeah, arms, you know. Well, there was, there was a lot of it in prison, self harm. Yes. And there was there was one guy in particular. He always wore long sleeve tops, and then when he pulled his arms up, and I saw his arms and his legs. Funny enough, I see a lot, it I was see. a scar from his yeah. wrist to. Well, I have a lot of people coming up to me and saying, "Because I could, you I, know, I understand you. You do what I do, and I and I see them, and I don't want to be rude. And I said, but it's like." Uh, Actually, I don't. You know? No, exactly. I don't, and it's the not result is I'm the same. Covered in blood, running down your arms. Yeah, I mean, but actually, I'm making work. You it's know, it's a beautiful portrait of you with blood. the blood coming down your face. Yeah, what a, of, what, what a strong image that is. But that's not that doesn't glance, come from my head. That was uh, from yeah, bandages yeah, 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 yeah. of my own blood being uh, wrapped around me, and because of the white oil paint. It then made the ripple effect. Because at first, yeah. again, first glance, it's shocking. Yeah. And yeah. then when you look at it... But I'll send your name. I'll send you the name of this guy. And then I'll show you something. Uh, when the interview's finished, I'll show you. There's a, there's a picture of a friend of mine that makes art called Ronetti. Uh, you should check him, Los Angeles-based artist. Um, and, uh, I mean, he's sometimes considered somebody that, you know into SM, self-farm, but it's not, it's, you know, some time artist. Yeah. The beauty is when you can use your, you know, you can use what you do and change it. You know, it's, you're not any longer a victim, 
by is cathartic and to a certain extent everything is you know and everything is political and everything but is personal a lot personal. of times as well when you're bringing up subjects that people try to hide away yeah. it's the subject themselves that people are more afraid of yeah, of course. And then your, a lot of your work, you but deal with... But we probably with, have a lot in common. You, you know, yeah, Although definitely. we come from different worlds, uh, you know. And I'm seen as somebody, artifarty, you know. And actually, I came from, you know, I came from a trash background. I, I, yeah. Art educated me. I use art to educate I, I saw, myself. I presumed you was Catholic because you was Italian. Yeah, um, I was brought up. And the Im- first images I saw, you had your arms... Exactly. Very, although they were down, it was very no, totally, submissive yeah, I mean, and Christ-like. Yes, but it's empowering. Mm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because again, you done in two thousand. You done, I miss you, which yeah. was the big long. It's the catwalk. Oh I man! I did that at And that um, was where was that? I take more. Oh, was it? I didn't even realise it. In London, there. yes, but I did in different places. Because that was just before I got out. I got out in two thousand in October two thousand and one. Okay, no, but I oh. I did a 99 originally in um, Antwerp. Because it had all the lights along the catwalk. Yeah, yeah. And then I did in Birmingham at the Icon part, the Icon Gallery. And then I did a, I did a, a, the Tate Model in 2003. Yeah. And if you Google, if you go to Tate site, you there's information about if yeah. you put... Where was it? The turbine hall? The turbine hall, the, the second half. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Really, I think the best performance I've done. Yeah. In I'm, I'm jumping forward. Yeah, good. Oh, man, I've not even asked you any bloody questions yet. Yeah, See, this is what I always do. I get so wrapped up I in know, the conversation. I've only asked you the first question. But sometimes you get answered the question you haven't asked. Yeah, so I'll yeah. cross them off on the way. This is putting a bit of a handbrake on our, our conversation. When was your first interest in art? And do you remember your first... That was conscious. That was a con- influence. Well, it's interesting. Well, the first I did art when I was uh, once I did art. I was the what was called was kind of craft. When I was at the Red Cross, I think I had a moment when I was sick and I started to make stuff with matches mm. and sticks. And I did that. And I, and I did a, a collage, which then I gave to one of my teachers there. But then, consciously, I started to make art when I went to pottery classes when I was 23. By chance, somebody stopped me in the street and said, oh, what are you doing now? Why don't you come to pottery classes? And I went to pottery classes with her. I, I'm going to give you my autobiography. Oh, came out super. this year. Thank and you. It, it will tell you. Yeah. Because of love. Yeah. That's my autobiography, I'll give it to you. So, culturally, yeah, and then, and then I realised, I, there was a moment, I realised that art was going to save my life because it was the only reason why I wanted to live, carry on living. I was really, I, there was no future, you know. Yeah. I was from trash, there was no prospect, you know, I was working in kitchen, sometimes homeless, you know, and uh, do you remember at what point you thought I want to be an artist? Yeah, when I, I mean, when I started to do pottery classes, and I was working in a kitchen in an Italian restaurant, and I remember saying to myself, 
you know, I, ah, and then I had a brilliant teacher, Pottery Classic, called Keith. He died of cancer years later. Where, like, was, where was this? At he, this point? It was in Brixton in 83. Yeah. And he said to me, after six months, or about a year... Sorry, where was you in the Red Cross? Was that here or Italy? No, in Italy. Got you. Yeah, it would tell you that. But, yeah. And then, uh, he said after about six months, a year, he said, you should go to art school. And I said to him, but I don't know, I'm not middle class, I said to him. And I don't have education. Yeah. I don't know, I had elementary education, mm. you know? I didn't even have secondary school education, right. you know? And he said, it doesn't matter, you're a mature student. Yeah, they take If they like you, they'll take you. Yeah. And so I was lucky that I went with, you know, I, I went to my, with my ceramic to, to Camberwell Art School, which they do have ceramic, and they appreciate my work. They thought I, I could do something, and they took me, and that saved my life. So that for me, and also was like, this was very serious, you know, I couldn't fuck it up. <laughs> this is my opportunity, you know? It's and what like, artist was you thinking of or influenced by at that point? At the point, at the point, I think... Probably Bacon was one of, but I was more interested in writing. It's interesting that and music, music influenced me more, like punk music, mm. like crass, like really political, animal liberation type of band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no conflict so much, but there was like a, there was a band there by um, Poison Girl. I don't know. Yeah, it was like, it, her name was Vives Versa, Versa and she's, she must be about 75, 80 yeah. now, because <laughs> she would have been, she would have been about 40 when, when I yeah. used to follow them. And there was <coughs> like an alternative, it was a tenue to the punk rock kind of, yeah. the SS pistol. This was like, anti-nuclear, you know, the time yeah, early, yeah, yeah. Uh, anarchist, you know, mostly very middle class, you know, yeah, educated. Yeah, yeah. So they were like the new hippies, mm. you know? And uh, I really like, and so the, what really made me conscious it was the, uh, it was punk and anarchism that made me conscious, that made me kind of, that educated me, really. And uh, so, when I went to art school, I was 26, but probably had the emotional, you know, I had the emotional intelligence of uh, 15 years old, yeah. you know? So... And you had a lot of catching up to do in that short period at university, Yeah, of course, but I didn't, you know, and at some time I did feel, I did feel like outsider and people looked at me like I was, you know, I wasn't well developed, mm. you know, of course, and people, and I'm sure even people like Gavin Turk did, I was, I was <laughs> in some of the same classes in, you know, and he knew everything, and I didn't, you know, he kept, you know, put his hand up, and <laughs> knew, you know, talk the language where I didn't understand yeah. the language. Well, that was a problem I had, because, I mean, as you can hear the way I talk, um, when I went to university, I had no concept mm. of the fellow artist, if you like, because I'd always been in jail. Yeah. So 
there was just other guys in the art class who yeah. were just other prisoners in an art class. Then when I got to university, um, people knew the art speak, and yeah. I didn't. No, exactly. And then people wasn't talking Cockney like I was. People yeah. were talking nice. Yeah. Know, they they had H's and T's and S's, you know, which I which weren't really in my vocabulary. And it was at such a point I was even trying to speak a bit better. Yeah. And it wasn't until uh, one of the technicians there, Paul at the University of East London, he asked me how I was getting on. And I said, to tell you the truth, the hardest bit is to try and keep up with everyone else. And he said, and he, he went, he went, you're just fucking lying to yourself if you do that. Just be yourself. He said, otherwise, yeah. everyone will see through it. And he yeah, said, exactly. with, the, with the story that I've got, just getting out of prison, he said, I'm the one, I'm the interesting one. I agree. Um, be yourself. And then be it yourself. was from that conversation. I agree, that's what yeah. I did eventually. I mean, I've never, I've never told him that, but it was through that conversation with him yeah. that sort of made me wipe my feet on, or before entering the art world, you know, as, as if I was going into it as a different person. No, you were going as yourself. And that's why they took you. That's how Chelsea took me. Because, not because I was a genius, but because you were, you, you, because, you know, you fit it. And also because sometimes they need people like you. They need your energy, mm. you know, to kind of, in a way, a bit spark up. Yeah. You know, otherwise it's just kind of that line, yeah. you know. And I noticed every year they would take one or two people like me, mm. you know. But the year below, you know, and, and some would make it, some would die. You know, I remember... There was the same story, you know, there was a guy that I used to see in the street begging with his rat. Then I told him I was doing foundation, I was doing ceramic, and then he signed up to ceramic. Then I went to Camberwell, I went to Camberwell, and then I told him I went to Camberwell, he went to Camberwell with foundation. Then I went to Chelsea to do painting, and he did that. But He's not the bloke who let me in earlier, is he? <laughs> no, he committed suicide, oh, unfortunately. Okay. He killed himself, uh, like, in the second year, and I was very sad about it. Yeah, I was very sad. But, yeah, because, you know, uh, it was funny, you know, this kind of scene, like your little brother, somebody yeah, that had yeah. the same kind of situation as you. But coming from a totally different background, I think he, he was coming from Spain. I was coming from Italy, and I remember I used to see him in Brixton, outside Brixton Underground, begging with a rat, <laughs> with a rat on his shoulder, you know, looking at. And then, and then uh, he came to evening classes when I left, and then he did the same kind of thing. And then yeah, I saw yeah. him at Chelsea, for good on you, you know. And then, unfortunately, and then I f it made me think, you know, I have to, this could happen to me, you know. It's, it's, it's easier to kind of crack mm. under the pressure. And he could handle, I think he could handle the pressure of the college, of the teacher. Yeah. You know, he could handle feeling, feeling outside. Yeah. But his work was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, really amazing. Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And then I think is, you know, when your work is amazing, but you don't know why, and it's amazing because in a way, you are unconstructed. You're, you, you're not designing work, but you showing what you got. Yeah, yeah. And then they're trying to kind of, they try with me, you know, and I left, I moved to another department, mm. so they could never catch me, you know. <laughs> so I just did a lot of different things. But they tried to kind of say, okay, Franco, you have energy, you're not a genius, but you have energy, if you let us direct you, you can achieve this, 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 yeah, more or less. Yeah. That's what teaching, you know. And if you if you play the game, you end up be able to move on to a, an MA, maybe there are your college, you yeah, know. Yeah. If you're good, if you're genuinely good, you know. But it's about being training to become that, you know. And uh, I think he can cope with that. And when they did it to me, when they kind of said, I like this. First it was like, oh, you know, everybody has a problem with the mother, everybody has a problem, you know, get over it, you know. And then suddenly one day I made a piece of work and the guy, one of the, my personal tutor came and said, oh, I love this, make another 10, he said to me. <laughs> and that made me realize I was in the wrong place, yeah. you know, because I wasn't there to make another 10 design made piece of work that he could approve as, a, you know, as... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just and being I a mark on a piece of yeah, paper. Yeah, and I for yeah, and I and I I start I start to move out of painting. They didn't like it. I went to alternative learning media, which was a department set up in the late sixty at Chelsea for failed painters. Mm. You know, so I always say I'm a failed painter. <laughs> Put that on yeah. your CV. It's yeah, perfect. you know. I mean, the the next question is, what is a piece that you've created? that you hold most dear? I don't is really it, have a... No. I was going to say, would, would that be a, a performance. 2D or a performance, a visual? I don't have... I don't think like that. I think that there's a things that I think are more good and some things are more wacky, but they were necessary. They think that they were more interesting than other. But I don't... I don't have... I don't have things I hold on. Yeah. Like, this is the best thing I did. I don't believe. I don't believe I made the best... I made the best thing, mm. the best thing yet. Yet. I haven't. Yeah. And I think when you get to that, maybe you're dead. You, you come to an end. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, it's. I think it's like thinking you're arriving somewhere, arriving to where there's nothing to arrive to. Mm. You have to keep going. I always say to my students, it's like you're a com- you're like on a convey belt, and you just kind of keep work, kind of going on it. Yeah. You know, you just keep you just keep traveling to somewhere, but rather than being a tourist, you're a traveler. 
traveling and tourism are two different yeah. things, you know. I mean, talking about your work changing in the different mediums you're in, in 2015 you had the Woof Woof. Yes. And they was beautiful little, first of all, they just looked like little linear drawings. Yeah. But they were needlework, wasn't yeah, they? Yeah, we just still do. Needlework. I love it. Yeah, oh, I love them. Is that, yeah. is that I what have the, some the stuff wall is there. for? Yeah, I have some stuff there. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I, you've been doing them before 2015. Yeah, I started years, in 2008. I started. I saw, yeah, because I, I didn't know whether it was just cotton that you was sewing yeah. with. Yeah, cotton, paper or canvas, but cotton paper, that's your was. What was the idea of going into that with stitching? Because it's, well, it's, stitch is like drawing for me, I don't know. A, a friend, a, somebody, a student from the Royal College Textile Department contacted me. Now he's a very good friend of mine. And he said he was in textile and he would like to collaborate with me. So I said, okay, come. And we started to kind of mess about yeah. with pieces of canvas and doing. He would draw. He would stick a needle from one side and I would do another. Push it back. Yeah, yeah. And we would get something one side and something. So there wasn't back and there wasn't. And then I thought I like this. It's so immediate and it's so meditative. Yeah. Something I can do on my own. Yeah. You know. So then I said thanks. Because no. obviously I didn't. I I didn't know the reason why you got into it. Yeah, but I just saw because I know that you're heavily tattooed. Yeah, um, and I saw the needle work on there, the needle work on you. That's the that's the yeah, basically the similarity yeah. I put together. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was mainly. It was a good way. I think it was a good way to make work because I never really made drawing like this, and so I, I could. Also, the interesting thing about the needle, it's I really like the idea. Now it's getting quite fashionable, but you know, 10 years ago, teaching, especially men's teaching, mm. very, very rare. Yeah. And also seen, also teaching see as a craft. And I like the idea of using a language that's seen as craft to make art. You know, why this uh, snooby, you know, craft versus art thing, you know, it's like ceramic. Well, there's a prison, cha sorry to butt in there, there's a prison charity called Fine Cell, uh, sorry it's not a charity, um, but they work with prisoners called Fine Cell Work and they get um, people to embroider oh, and, and make, um, like you know, just make cushions and embroider bags and stuff like that and it, it's turning out, that it, it, it was, initially it w went towards the women but I don't know the exact um, numbers, but it's pretty much like 50-50 Yeah, now. no. It's the guys learning to embroider. Yeah, but also, it's very, I think it's very, I think one thing, well, it takes time, it keeps you busy, it relaxes you, it's meditative. Perfect for prisoners then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but also for me, you know, yeah. this is my prison, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I come here by choice, but it's, it's my prison, yeah. you know? I come here and I do, you know, this is what I do. If I didn't do this, what do I do? You know, if I didn't do art, what would I do? I would just be vegetating, you know, <laughs> vegetating, vegetating, you know? Where is it you go for inspiration? I'm inspired by life, by people, by things I've seen and I think that upset me. You know, I'm working a lot with images of children 
because of my autobiography of kind of being abandoned, being in institution and kind of abused by my family, I kind of relate to kind of childhood, other childhood, yeah. not necessarily to do with domestic or family, but certainly refugee, you know, and um, yeah, refugees at uh, the moment are doing a, and boy soldiers, things, you know, where kids are being exploited, yeah. you know, in one way or another. Like, well, a lot in a of way, time, people reflect on their childhood because that was the happy time. Yeah. But it's so happening so much now. Yeah, there that, wasn't. That it isn't a happy time no. for a lot of for a lot no. of people. But I think consciously, I think actually I came to a conclusion long time ago when I was at college because I already had this kind of I write about in the book, my autobiography. When I was a kid and I was an institution, I used to look at kids outside the institution that we saw in the village in the nice little house. And I used to kind of be very jealous of them, thinking how lucky they were, you know. And actually, you know, I remember 20 years later going to this town where I was and passing this house that I used to pass and see this kid. And I had the most sad sense of being. Yeah. You know, and actually realized maybe he wasn't. Looking at his family. Maybe he wasn't. Yeah. And, you know, what's happened to him? Where is he? Is yeah. he happy? Is he happier than me mm. because of his childhood? You know, I hope so. You know, but it doesn't mean anything. And I think actually everybody, in a way, I think it's about childhood. It's not, to me, or getting old. It's not about being happy, but it's about whatever. It's about being, having power, you know. Yeah. And when you're a child or you're a whole person, you're most likely to be powerless, to have yeah, less yeah. power than you do of course, now, yeah. Yeah. you know, because you lose. Either you don't have it or the little you have, you lose mm. it because, because, you know, your family takes control, the people yeah. that you cannot empower, you know, cannot, you know. So, so I think that essentially... It doesn't matter wherever you come from, a middle class, upper class, working class, trash, you know, everybody can have a, you know, it doesn't matter. Everybody, I think everybody has a bad childhood if they were in a situation where they were victims, you know, and it's possible. It's possible to be a victim in a very nice yeah, be a multi-millionaire and still be yeah. depressed. Yeah, of course, and also still have a shit life. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, because essentially the difference is, you know, once, um, you know, what's his name? This actor, very famous actor, Nicholson. What's his Jack name? Jack Nicholson. Just Nicholson once said, he says I think about can be rich, be happy. Yeah. You know, be, it's rich. It's being happy and being rich kind of product of them, you know. And it says actually, you know, even, you know, the the only difference is that the only, you can be the, the only difference is that you're rich, you know, you can... It's got to be a better sort of depression if you're rich, though, yes, right? I yes, you've got you are, that's yeah, for sure. exactly. <laughs> but if you're depressed, you're depressed, yeah. basically. And but at least you can... Uh, yeah, the only difference if you're rich is you can buy another car or yeah. you you know you can Just try feed to feel the hole. Yeah. You can feel the hole that you know 
in another way, you know, but certainly it's better, actually, he says, better, you know, if I had to choose being poor and being rich and depressed, uh, of course it's better to be rich and depressed than being poor and depressed. Of course. You know, essentially. The the works in Woof Woof, they was about two, were they about A2 size? They were A2 and A1. There was a 35 for 50 and 70 for 100. Yeah. Yeah, on paper. And how many was in... There was many of them there was behind a you, wasn't there? Yeah. It was, it was probably there was a work. Yeah, there was a... There was a yeah, more. There was a lot of work. Yeah. And there was test. There was test. And there was uh, images. Because they, they appeared, again, like this size. Are these the ones that were in Belgrade? No, Belgrade is still there. Is it still go- it's not going though, is it? No, Did but it they haven't for a year. It's finished. Oh, yeah, they keep the work for a year, the gallery, commercial gallery. They don't sell it. Because they, they, were, they were large stitch ones. They're like that. Ones like that. Where, yeah. What's that one there? Maybe a metre and a half? I can't see the bottom. It's 140 for 140. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. And the ones in Belgrade? They uh, were about was it a monument. A monument? Yeah, a monument. Yes, it was. there was also granite... Like oh, see, I was going to ask you about those because I, I saw them. There was no text with with the um, the images. They were dark, wasn't they? Yeah. They engraved. The images are engraved. They were beautiful. Yeah, like uh, the UN, uh, UN symbol. It's all about failure, failing. Yeah, it's about uh, and the dollars, the European flag. It's a, yeah. I'm working on on this at the moment. And were they shown with these needlework ones? Yes, they were. Because that's a good contrast. It's the same isn't gallery. It? The, 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 yeah. the hard granite and the very yeah, soft and they pliable were. They were. canvas. They were. It's so one of recent shows mm. Milk and Blood. Performance piece. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see it? Only online. I didn't okay. come and see it. Last time I did, there was in March. Yeah. I'm. Um, a bit of a boxing fan anyway. And I do boxing now, but I, I, I only do, I don't really even do body spar at the moment because I'm very weak. But my, I have, a, I go to the gym. I got, I went yesterday after three weeks. Of course, oh, so. that hit you. But I, I just do, but I have a one-to-one. I have a personal, and I do pads. Uh, I go to this place in Waterloo. It's called the Fitzroy Lodge, yeah, it's so really a working class. I mean, it's community, but also in the morning, you get uh, people that work in that have good jobs, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. also in the evening, the kids go, yeah, you know, to keep the kids out of trouble from the so to get, to get in shape for milk and blood, it's uh, very physical, yes. Did you have to lose like several kilos? Well, I did eventually lose, uh, yes, I tried to stay fit. I have I lost a bit of weight, but sometimes I was very big. It's the visual for the work. Yeah, was using boxing attire. Yeah, with a head guard, boxing yeah. gloves, all made out of gold. Or yeah. all, sorry, all gold coloured. Yeah, a punch bag that was gold. Yeah. I see the gloves hanging up there. No, they're not that. Oh, they're they, shit. They're, oh. they're crap. <laughs> they're, you you yeah. get hurt if you punch with them. They're fake. But no. you had you had gold. Um, I'll give you this as well. This is a is a catalog. It's about this performance I did in Leeds, which is Milk and Blood. Yeah, yeah. It's about uh, my when I did there. Yeah, this is the piece. Yeah. So you had a punch bag. Thank you. 
you had yeah, a punch bag hanging kilo. in a dark room, and was it soaked in? It was sodden with milk. It's a special bag that got made for me for special effect. It's a real bag, but it has a tube inside, ah. pressurized with two liter milk. When you punch when you the it. bag, there's an electronic that releases it. And then when you s- gradually, the pool of milk on the floor yeah, expands, expands, expands. Yes, two liters. And it was 13 rounds. Yes. Two minute rounds. Yeah, with one minute break. And then, and, and then you each, after two minutes, Ding ding, a bell. Uh, I don't yeah. know why to say ding ding, but a bell, a bell we send just like in a, a boxing match. Yes, exactly. You have a one minute breather. I have a lot of boxer coming to see me. Oh, did you? Yeah, and sometimes kind of, you know, give me feedback. While you was hitting the, the bag. Yeah. You was expressing talking. yourself. As I was well. talking. I have a microphone here, and with, and it was uh, the microphone had that kind of sh- short way. It would go to us to a receiver, and then it would. Give it to the audience. Mm. The audience, yeah. So I will talk. It's a. It's the text is in the catalog I give you. Mm. In the, it's called insignificant. Yeah. So everything love insignificant, and pain was, insignificant. Yeah, and you were saying insignificant, insignificant. Yeah. throughout the throughout yeah. the, the thing. Yeah. And it was the, the finish was nice as well because you had a, a large pool of blood and it doesn't make oh, uh, blood. Sorry. Yeah. Like blood, it doesn't take much of that fluid yeah. to attract your eye yeah. with milk you, you know that was probably only about a pint on the floor it was two that oh, was two pints two litres oh two litres oh, oh, yeah no, I'll take back what I said yeah I mean if you drop it half a pint it, of milk it looks like no it but it's two litres two litres but there was because after the seven eight round there's no more oh it, yeah so you're just working just, off what was there yeah and then and then it just comes so it's probably a, maybe a six foot pool of blood oh, sorry I keep oh, saying yeah. blood Keep a six foot pool of milk. Well, sometimes it goes to people because sometimes the place it goes yeah. to people's feet. And, and then, of course, it's the bag is swinging about as yes. you're hitting it as well. Yeah. But it was a beautiful moment right at the end because there's, there's a there was a forty odd minute video of it online, which yeah. is the one that yeah. I watched. And there's a beautiful moment right at the end when you're finished. All you can you can hear you puffing and panting, trying to get yeah. your breath back, and you've got the you can just hear it creaking while it's still yes. swaying, and then. You can feel the anxiety in the room that people don't know what to do. They're waiting for your command as you're sort of walking up and down. Just as you start walking away, you stopped. Then you come back into the centre. You you looked at looked. At I'll go around and look at people. Yeah, and then you stopped again, and you can see you could see the anxiety in people. They didn't know whether to clap yeah. or to cheer. And then someone opened a door, and then yeah. you just walked out. And as soon yeah. as that door shut, the clap. Yeah, the clap was. Yeah, good, and and just to see it swinging in the darkness as well. Yeah, no, it's a good piece. That is uh, the last three years, and I've been training. I've been going to, and I still do it. I still kind of try to keep fit, and it's good for the head, for the Releasing mind. The yeah, yeah, it's nice in the morning. Tomorrow I go. I went yesterday, but I haven't been for three or four weeks. And while I was sick, you know, my trainer has been very. He's trying to get me to go down. You know, because they said people miss you. You know, yeah, we lo- You know, they're very, very supportive. Mm. You know, like yeah, very sweet. They like try to get me out of depression. You know, because while I was doing radiotherapy, I would go down and he wouldn't charge me, and he would make me do little exercise, rowing. You know, yeah, pad yeah. work, but like really light, but still pushing me. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you know, I'm. You're not treated like 
you sick, you know. Yeah, and of course it's very hard. He shouts at me, and then at the end he says, "You did very well." <laughs> you yeah. feel like shouting back at him, telling you to leave you alone. Yeah. You mentioned about your childhood in the Red Cross. Yeah. You're adorned from head to toe in Red Crosses. Yeah. Is that the relevance to that, or is it just? No, it's relevant to that. That, but also it's relevant to the idea, to my, to the idea that when we come out of the womb, we are refugee into this planet. Yeah. You know, we have to start to learn. We are kind of obviously, it doesn't matter which, which social, political, religious, geographical, you know, kind of contest you come in. You have to kind of abide. You learn how to operate. You know, your family mm. teaches you. If you don't, you get slapped. You know, <laughs> yeah. eventually. And then, you know, can go work. So... You learn how to, you know, so especially if you are kind of, if you're like, a, you know, I spent my se- se- first seven years in an orphanage. So I didn't have much education. I was really, ins- I was like a cage animal. When I started to go to school, I wasn't like any normal other kids. There was certain inhibition I didn't have, you know, because nobody told me, mm. you know. And then I had three years with my family in the real world. And I was seen as a kind of, you know, retarded child. Mm. And so then I was put in this place for mentally, you know, kind of retarded kids. But I wasn't, you know, I was, you know. Perfect background to be an artist, isn't it? Yeah, so then, then, so this idea of the Red Cross then as a place for me of protection, because obviously... When I went to the Red Cross, I was 10, and I had three years stint, nearly three years stint with my family that suddenly came to get me, my mother, after leaving me for seven years, but not allowing anybody else to to adopt me. So they're like, you know. And then when I was seven years old, one day she decided to come to get me. I was suddenly... In her scheme of things, I became useful, you know. Mm. She would send me out to beg. And how is your you relationship know? with her now? Now. Is she, I is don't she still know with one. us? She, she's a, nearly still with us. I think she's on her way out. Yeah. She's not well. Have you not had contact? I don't have any contact with her. But my f- one of my niece and one of my sister kind of tells me. I know she's in hospital. She's 82, you know. Still, and uh, she had just had an operation for cancer mm. somewhere here. And uh, last week I got a message from one of my nephews telling me that she's in hospital. Just let me know. But I don't have anything to do with her. Yeah, life can be a bit of a shit sometimes, can't it? Yeah. Just putting a handbrake on that. One of the other questions. Yeah. Um, if there was you and five other artists past and present what would be your perfect group show oh god the perfect group show the perfect you never know because when you meet these people sometimes it can be quite very disappointing yeah (laughs) yeah definitely they can be real assholes I met some of my heroes and they're fucking wankers (laughs) they're not my heroes anymore you know yeah yeah you meet people well I just 
I just hope they were good artists. I like the work. I don't care, really. I don't have, no. I mean, of course, you know, I love Amsterdam Kiefer, you know, some of the Italian, Cano Trasavangardi, Magdolo Murcio, people that are not very famous, but people that were good, that think they're good, but I, you know, I create... There's new influences throughout your life that you've extracted from. Yes, yeah, so you do consciously, maybe unconsciously. I mean, there's obviously... I mean, when I went to school, when I went to Camberwell, the first time I painted, the first week of my foundation, I was told, you know, oh, you must really like Mimo Palladino. And I said, who? Hmm. Oh, Mimo Palladino, because you paint like him. Yeah. You know, and I didn't paint like him, but... I use, it was kind of, yeah, you know, because yeah. then people would say that, oh, Italian, Mimo Palladino, Trasavangardia, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't, I didn't have, yeah. I didn't have a clue, you know, because the good thing about going there is that people tell, you know, that then you find out that you're not special, and there's other people making similar work, or, you know, but you're not the same, you know, and so then you decide whatever you want to be remembered yeah. every time, it's like, you know, it's like now you work in whatever you get. Of course, somebody more famous that works that similar kind of taste. Of course, you know, it's like like when you see somebody bleeding, you say, "How do you, you know?" Oh, Franco B. Yeah, and this yeah, guy yeah. doesn't know who the fuck Franco B. is. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's nothing. It's not about being Franco B. It's about being who you are mm. that allows you to be to make that step. You yeah, know, if, if you wasn't an artist. Mm. What do you think you'd be, or what would you like to be? If I wasn't an artist, I think law, definitely. Law. Human rights, law, defending. Excellent. Yeah, for sure. Good yeah, answer. animal rights. Yeah, yeah, um, ecology. Yeah, fighting the fucking bastards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's never a bad thing, is it? Yeah. That's all my questions, Dan. Where can anyone see your work online? Yeah. I have a, you know my site, no? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to... Yeah, it's, I don't even know, www.franco, with the K, dash B, dot com. And if you Google... Instagram. Instagram, I do post lots of stuff. And that is just at sign Franco dash B? I think it's Franco B Artist. They'll find you. It is Franco B Artist. In there. Correct, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm on... Facebook as Franco Black and also be Franco Franco because I have two or three webs I have two or three pages on Facebook because one is full. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Franco. Thank you. Thank you very and much. I, yeah, if I've you really want, enjoyed that. If you want a piece of work, I can give you a piece of work. I will do. Oh, how about that, Franco B. Franco and I have a mutual friend in the DJ Halo is and I told her that after recording this podcast with Franco, I just wanted to get up, give him a hug and tell him that if there is karma in the world, he is going to live a long and happy life. And if you don't already follow Franco on social media, go and find him, follow him then hit him up and say hello. And if you wanted to support Franco in a small way, you could purchase his latest book, which is Franco B's story, Because of Love. And as I mentioned in the intro, Franco was kind enough to donate an artwork to the Face Value Free exhibition. 
which is really just a perfect excuse for going to spend a bit more time in his company. Next week, I'm taking you into the bomb factory in North London, where I'll not only be taking you into the studio of Bill Daggs, but we are really entering into the world of Bill Daggs. I first met Bill when I was giving a lecture at the University of East London a couple of years ago, and Bill was one of a couple of students whose work stood head and shoulders above anyone else. And I'm afraid the old record is stuck on me mentioning face value because Bill was in my face value 2 exhibition and I've recently asked him to be in face value 3. But no doubt I'll bore you again with that next week. Can I just interrupt myself here? In between me completing this podcast and it being uploaded, a new art podcast has just been released. If you haven't heard of it already, it's called Talk Art and I reckon it's going to be massive. It's hosted by two very well-known collectors, the actor Russell Tovey and the musician Robert Diamond, who now works for the Cole Friedman Gallery. In the first episode, they talk about their experience of this year's freeze, how Russell opened his apartment up for an art tour where he was interviewed by Michael Craig Martin and what they've got planned for future episodes. Russell and Robert have been friends for about 10 years and you really can notice that they feed off each other really well. So if you haven't already, pop over to Instagram, give them a follow, and then go over to wherever you listen to your podcasts, look up Talk Art, and subscribe. I'll now let you get back on to listening to me. And as I say each week, please pass on the word of the Mizog Art podcast. The listenership is growing week on week. If you want to see who we've got confirmed, pop over to www.mizogart.com. If you want to drop me an email for any reason, it's podcast at mizogart.com, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. And if you want to keep up to date with anything on a day-to-day basis, have a look on all three social medias, which is at mizogart. So, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta-da! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.